Welcome back to Star Wars Escape Pod and our What Happened episode for Mon Mothma. It's been a long time coming that we've had this planned, but uh, here we are, and uh, we're uh, we're after the we're in the we're in the post Andor phase of Star Wars right now. So there's not a whole lot of Star Wars Disney content to kind of keep up with at this point in time, which is hard to believe because uh, Andor and Tales of the Jedi seem like. They just whizzed right by, but uh, here we are in a bit of a limbo until the next short comes out. So, lots of original content coming your way. Not so much the after shows, but let's dive in headfirst into Mon Mothma. Another happy landing. All right. Uh, welcome back, uh, Blake, to the podcast. Hello there. Yes. Good to be back, as always. This, that threw me off. I was expecting to hear some sort of theme music from a show. <laughs> I'm like, oh, we're going right into it. There's no show. Yeah, we spent we spent quite a few months now, I guess, uh, either playing some sort of music. You know, that's kind of how we do on the format with the after shows. We usually just play the theme kind of right after the blast doors. But uh, yeah, here we are. I mean, it's, uh, it's kind of weird, right? I mean, like Andor was the longest Star Wars show live action wise that we've had in a single season so far. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's nothing compared to Clone Wars or anything, but live action for sure. Yeah. And, yeah. And it, it was done very Clone Warsy. I think that's why they were able to make it so long is it was a lot of almost independent story arcs where thing there was like overlapping themes and stuff and it kind of all connected together, but it, it did. You could watch each segment of the show and it would feel like its own thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, it's. Uh, it, I guess it'll be a little bit until we get. It'll be a hot minute until we get our next premiere for for the next show, which will be the Bad Batch season two, which is supposed to come out January fourth, uh, as far as I know. So it's not that far away. <laughs> that's not that far. No, <laughs> yeah. it's not you too know, far before away. Before the dark times. Yeah, yeah. Disney. Oh man, I remember those years. Those years where we were endlessly talking about the prequels versus the originals, and <laughs> yeah. Oh man, the heated wars. Yeah, yeah. Fans were aggressively editing their own versions of the prequels, trying to cut Jar Jar Binks out of them. <laughs> <laughs> It was a different time. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about it. Oh, no! <laughs> so, uh, today we've got, uh, we've got a very interesting character to take a, take a look at under the spotlight, which, is, uh, which happens to be Mon Mothma. But before we get started, just a quick acknowledgement to our YouTube channel. It's up. 
Go and subscribe to it. There's a link in the description below to find it. And uh, you can also find us with the handle at SW Escape Podcast in the YouTube search bar. How handy is that? Uh, 2019 and 2020 episodes are uploaded and 2021 and 2022 are on the way. Uh, also, Discord is the place to be, right? That's true. Yeah, we've seen we've had a few people joining in, starting to get some chats going, but that's pretty cool. Anyone, in the, all, uh, anyone in the Discord would know that we're also doing a giveaway. That's true. Yeah. We are. Yeah. So I feel like people should join the Discord just to get info on this giveaway. But uh, you know, <laughs> what can you do, right? Uh, we got a really are we cool. Share any additional details of the show, or do people have to join the Discord to get that? I feel like <laughs> we mentioned it on here before. <laughs> yeah, we've definitely mentioned it on here before. We can t- we can talk about it. There's a link in the description, everybody, to go join uh, or go throw your name in the hat for the for the Orbit Key Star Wars giveaway, and uh, there's going to be two lucky winners that are each going to be getting a orbit key key organizer in in your preferred Star Wars character. Uh, so yeah, winners will be drawn in the coming weeks. I believe it's in the the week before Christmas. We do have a, a calendar date set. I forget the exact number of days left. I think it's like 17 or 18 days left. Uh, it's on the it's listed on the survey link actually. But uh, yeah, so send it to your friends. Send it to your Star Wars friends. Uh, you know, they're going to appreciate that a lot. And, uh, you know, how great how great of a Christmas would that be if you got some free Star Wars swag, right? <laughs> hey, can't go wrong with that. And I have to admit, maybe I'm uh, talking to not blow too much. This is actually a really high-quality product. I was really impressed with it. I've got one in my hand here. I'm looking. looking yeah, it's, it's yeah. All, the one I have is is real leather. I think some of them, they have, like, uh, fabrics and stuff over top to get different details and stuff. But it's pretty sweet. You would never know it's Star Wars, though. It's not really in your face unless you you look for it. It's kind of got hidden details. Yeah, like, for sure. There's yeah. some arabesque in here. If you look on the the interior side where the, the keys themselves are are kept. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. They got a little uh, a little character quote on the inside with uh, with like an arabesque translated uh, name, you know, of the character that your your key organizer is, uh, I guess, designed after, right? Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. you're, you're right. The materials are are you know, awesome, phenomenal build and uh, very subtle, you know. So if, if you're like a, if you're a business guy and you want to walk into the office and you don't want to have some sort of flashy, you know, clearly branded Star Wars sort of thing, this is going to do it. You know, this is going to fly right under the radar to people who would, would you know, expect uh, something professional and not something nerdy. Uh, but then again, if you are a Star Wars fan and you know what these things are, then you know, you'll you'll see a lot of appreciation there. So that's right. And what my favorite part about it is I no longer have jingling keys in my pocket. So if oh, I'm ever yeah. walking down a uh, back alley somewhere downtown, then people aren't going to assume that's change in my pocket and I'm not going to get mugged. Oh, dude, huge huge bonus there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I don't have that many keys, but I hate carrying keys around, and now I carry them around all the time. That's <laughs> funny because like. I also don't have many keys. Actually, I have, I have another key I can put on here. I just recently got extra locks added to my place. But um, I I carry around the the multi-tool, which was like a, a bonus thing you can get for it. Yeah. Uh, and the best part about that is it has a bottle opener on it. So no matter where I am, I can always be the life of the party. So that could be you too. Oh, man. Hey, who doesn't want to be the, the useful guy with the bottle opener, right? I mean. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you meet Padme's <laughs> <laughs> opportunity. Oh, hey exactly. there. I see you have a bottled beverage with no way to open it. 
Allow me to help you out. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's the life of the party, right? Like, you know, to quote Anakin, like, I don't think the system works. I think <laughs> you think you just need one man, one man with a bottle opener that everyone can line up and get their bottle opened. <laughs> oh, this bottle was a twist top. It's holding me back. <laughs> <laughs> so good oh man all right uh people everyone everyone tuning in uh you can join us on swell which is uh, it's kind of a new sort of uh, well it's been around a little bit we've had an account on there before uh but it's a cool way for us to interact with you our audience our our loyal star wars escape pod listeners hopefully we were on your spotify wrapped uh, if we were not, then uh, hopefully we can change that in the new year. But uh, get on Swell. It's, or check it out, at least. You can always delete it. But, I mean, uh, we, we, I'm posting a, a Swell once a week. That's kind of the goal. That's my New Year's resolution. We're completely replacing the voicemail that literally no one used for three years. And, <laughs> and so uh, Thank you for all our avid listeners. We yeah. appreciate all the voicemails you left us. <laughs> we got through them very quickly. We, we did indeed. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Huge backlog. Um, but, yeah, get well, it's a cool way to make conversation um, because I found I found uh, the Twitter has still been our most successful social platform. And, uh, you know, we, we were on Facebook for a hot minute before that went away. And so, you know, I, I you know, we're, we're always trying new things, new ways to kind of interact with the audience. And right now we're really pushing the discord because, uh, you know, that we, we hang out here uh, regardless. Recently, we've been doing the podcast episodes hosted through the server. Uh, so this is just kind of the place to be, you know, so, you know, at best, check it out. If you already have a Discord account, just hit the invite button. Uh, you can always just see if it's useful to you, you know, invite your Star Wars friends, whatever. But Swell is a really cool platform. You can leave replies. And, you know, if it's relevant to what we might be talking about, you know, I'll post a question of the week and, uh, you know, we might even play a few on the show. So, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, you know, definitely 2023. Hashtag Swell. Hashtag <laughs> uh, Swell. Feeling swell. Feeling swell, yeah. Uh, we're featured currently right now on the Podbean TV and film page, which is fantastic. We've had a lot of people uh, follow us on Podbean. So shout out to everyone using the Podbean app right now to listen to Star Wars Escape Pod. Uh, you know, it's uh, it seems to be uh, helping us out a lot that we're on the featured page. But, you know, if you're looking for a podcast app and you haven't really decided on one yet, go check out the Podbean app. Uh, you know, a lot of people are tuning in there. So very cool. Uh, also 2023, uh, I briefly mentioned, I think in a previous week that 2023 was going to be project SoundCloud because right now we're doing the whole YouTube thing. Once that's done, I was thinking we would do SoundCloud. Turns out, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> jokes, uh, that's a paid for thing. So, uh, right now we got the intro up there. We're just going to leave it with the intro, uh, just to kind of like, you know, fish hook people Advertise. on SoundCloud. Yeah. 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 You know, we got the profile there set up, but I don't think we're going to get any further, uh, beyond the intro episode. So just a heads up, just to, just to amend what I said last time. <laughs> yeah. All right. Mon Mothma. Let's, let's get into it. This is a character with many appearances. Uh, we are it's not, true. yeah, we're not going to dive into every single appearance that she's ever made. Uh, similar to when we did the Obi-Wan Kenobi episode that took a long time. And we still didn't even touch every a single appearance that he was in, uh, because is there that? I feel like all her appearances though are very, very brief. They they like are cameos. Yeah. They they are. It's a lot of cameos. Uh, it's a lot of her kind of in the 
in the situation that she would witness a particular event and maybe it might be worth bringing up. So, you know, I've got a few, we've got a few uh, book appearances. We've got a few TV show appearances. Uh, we got a few, uh, of course, live action and animated appearances to talk about. And these are just kind of some main things that might be useful to kind of understanding this character a bit more and uh, just helping narrate her entire story arc. So let's just dive in with Queen's Hope, the novel. Uh, also, before we kind of get started here, thank you so much to uh, various contributors across YouTube as well as uh, our good friends at Wikipedia. Uh, for summarizing th these things, as well as the own content, uh, or the you know the the content that at least you and I have both consumed over the years, being Clone Wars, Rebels, and you know the live action shows, as well as the aftermath trilogy of books written by Chuck Wendig. So uh, yeah, let's kick things off with Queen's Hope. Um, Mon and Bale give a secret mission to Padme, and Sabe, her body double, uh, replaces her in the Senate briefly while she's gone, so no one notices. This is prior to uh oh sorry this is actually oh that i totally read this out of order i think this is actually uh right right before revenge of the sith or or uh right after no actually sorry <laughs> no jokes i i no this isn't the right order uh this is right before the clone wars i'm getting totally mixed up uh this is after attack of the clones right before the clone Wars starts it's around the same time as the brotherhood novel so uh we reviewed the brotherhood novel written by mike shen a couple months ago that was awesome that was a super great story and uh Padme wasn't really in that story, but there's actually a, a chronological kind of timeline overlap where Queen's Hope is sort of kind of in that time area where, you know, Geonosis has kind of just happened and these characters are all right. kind of going off on their own, you know, separate it's directions. Like the, the very beginning of the war. Yeah. So Queen's Hope is kind of the the staple novel to narrate Padme's story in this timeline. And Mon and Bale, of course, being senatorial allies of hers, make appearances in this book. So I thought it was worth noting that she is in some instrumental way involved in the secret mission that Padme goes on in that story. And her body double, Sabe, has to replace her in the Senate briefly while she's gone uh, so that no one notices she's on the secret mission. So, yeah, I thought that was worth bringing up. Uh, but I haven't Wouldn't actually be unfortunate if while that happened, there was like a really important vote and then Sabe was forced to like vote and like screwed it up Yeah, <laughs> and screw it up. Yeah. I think that would be, uh, that would be worth <laughs> mentioning. I, you know, truth be told, I haven't actually read this book. It's on my list. I've got a huge backlog list to get through, but, uh, but yeah, uh, AJ who's been on the show as of twice, I think now, uh, it's one of his favorite stories. And uh, that or that trilogy of, of books. So I, I do plan to prioritize that um, after getting through some High Republic stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a good one. The Clone Wars. This is something that you and I have both gone through. So uh, I'll just say this up front. Uh, we don't see Mon Mothma on screen prior to this show. You know, chronologically, she's in that Queen's Hope book. She's really not mentioned or seen kind of prior. She makes a total of 14 appearances in the entire show with only three speaking roles between mm -hmm. episodes in season two and three. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's always blown my mind. I'm on my mouth for such a massive character that everybody knows. Like if you're, because like there's like the average moviegoer and then there's the people who like would recognize characters beyond like Darth Vader, Boba Fett, Luke, right? There's like that tier and that tier is already people that know Mon Mothma. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and, and yet she's virtually non-existent, other than really her her scene in the original trilogy. Yeah, it's it's true. You know, a lot of people think Mon Mothma. They they think the Return of the Jedi appearance. They think uh, maybe, of course, now at this point it would be Andor. Um, and then there's the brief cameo, very famously in Rogue One. But uh, I mean, other than that, like not many people would kind of associate her with any kind of off off movie screen appearance, right? And Clone Wars features her in the background a lot. Okay, so like out of the three speaking role episodes that she has, she is in the background during various events. So uh, some of these, which I'm going to read off really quickly, and we can kind of talk about them one one at a time. Um, I just thought it was interesting to note that she was there for these things because maybe in some way this affected her, right? Uh, so the first story arc was the Zillow Beast Strikes Back. That was the first episode she's in in the Clone Wars, and she's at the Senate building when the Zillow Beast attacks. Do you remember the story? I do remember the story. Yeah, it was a big Mace Windu arc. The uh, yeah yeah Mace Windu was in it. Anakin was in it. Um, it was about this this big huge Godzilla style monster that they dig up on uh, on the planet where the Dugs are from. Uh, I forget the name <laughs> of the actual right. planet. Well, let's just call it Planet Doug. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, they bring it back to Coruscant because Palpatine's like, Hey, we can probably do some research on this beast and make some new clone it's King armor. Kong. Yeah. It's, it's the King Kong storyline, but it's Godzilla. So it's like they've, they switched it around. That's basically what it was. Yeah. Yeah. So Mon Mothma was there when this giant beast attacks and I was like, okay, cool. Like, you know, it kind of goes unsaid or unspoken, like, later in the show. And I don't think anywhere else in Star Wars is this Zillow Beast event kind of mentioned. But uh, it's worth noting that she was there You'd think it would be a massive moment in the history of Coruscant. Yeah, you'd think. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, like, the actual planet's never been attacked ever up until the Separatists arrive in Episode 3. And, and then at some point, there's this giant lizard that is just <laughs> ransacking the city. Yeah, the whole city goes on lockdown. It's like, what? Like, this wasn't mentioned the next at day, all. It's just everyone's <laughs> forgotten and moved on. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, you know, let it be, let it be known. She was there for it. Um, Duchess of Mandalore. She was in the Senate building. When, that's the name of the episode, by the way, Duchess of Mandalore. Uh, she was at the Senate building when Satine wins the approval of the Senate to not accept military help on Mandalore. Uh, this was in a story arc in which uh, there was a hologram of a, an ally of hers who was assassinated or killed or whatever. And it was, uh, it was basically tampered with. So it made it look like he was turning his back on her and that the Republic should intervene with the, with the military and help uh, kind of main, st- you know, kind of a, a claim Mandalore is almost like a more of a Republic grounds, right? Because Mandalore's got this really weird relationship with the Republic. Like it's part of the Republic, but they don't want to be militarily involved with the war. And, you know, they're afraid that, or the Duchess is afraid that if clones go to Mandalore, it'll draw the separatists there, right? It's like Switzerland. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it, it's... Yeah, kind of like the Switzerland, because they even hold peace treaties there or peace talks there. It's yeah, it's it's Mandalore is interesting because like they, yeah, there there are like the modern Switzerland, but they're also like the modern Norway, where mm-hmm. like they they're kind of like used to be Vikings and warriors, and now they're like socialists. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it's 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 fascinating. Uh, she, so she was there. Uh, let it be known, Mon was there in the Senate uh, when Satine wins approval, and uh, she seems pretty pretty happy about this as well. Like it seems like she was kind of in favor of uh, Satine's, you know, uh, stance. I guess. Um, what I took away from that was it comes up later, but at, we do know that Mon is not very fond of military action at all ironic yeah very ironic um we know this from andor we know this from the aftermath trilogy we know this from the entire sequel trilogy uh because as a result of the demilitarization of the new republic is part of the reason why the first order just comes in and takes over freaking everything right so uh yeah I mean, that's a huge one. Before we go any further, I totally forgot to hit the spoiler bell. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, just any, uh, just just a heads up. Anybody who hasn't consumed Clone Wars, Rebels, Revenge of the Sith, anything like Andor, Rogue One, whatever. Anything anything at all that she's made an appearance is just spoilers for all of that stuff. Uh, okay, next episode up, Assassin. Um, Mon was present at the celebration of Light on Naboo when the attack on the Chancellor took place. Uh, so that was, sorry, attack on, uh, Padme took place. I think that was the one it was with the aura Singh. So I think, I think it was that okay, one. Okay. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. I was trying to think, I don't remember the chance they're almost being assassinated, but I remember that was a huge deal. Yeah. Um, with the Soka getting premonitions about the assassin coming for Padme and like Padme was determined to do the speech anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Mon was, was there. She was at that speech then. Exactly. Yeah. Um Sphere of Influence. Uh she this is this is the episode where uh George Lucas's cameo character, you know, he he's a Papa, chairman Papanoida of the of the Pan, Pantorans. Um his yeah. do, one of his daughters or his two of his daughters are kidnapped or whatever. So she makes a background appearance in this episode. Um Evil Plans with Cad Bane trying to kidnap R2 and 3PO. Lots of kidnappings going on. Uh, he, she's at, she's in a background appearance at Paz, Padme's party. Uh, she hosts a party for a Senator friend who they're trying to make, uh, kind of good relations with, I guess, you know, like, um, you know, trying to make an ally and, uh, she's there at the party heroes on both sides and pursuit of peace. This is a story arc in which Mon fights for Padme's side in the debate to reach peace negotiations with the separatists to avoid deregulation of the banks. Do you remember this episode arc? I do, because I think this is when we started. It was another Ahsoka arc, I think. And she, mm-hmm. uh, I forget her love interest is introduced during this. Yeah, Lux. This yeah. arc. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, Lux Bonteri. Uh, so, yeah, she makes a few uh, statements in this, in this uh, or she makes a few appearances in that story arc. And... The next story she appears in is Senate Murders. Uh, Mon is present for Anaconda's death in the Senate Poisonings, which is that uh, Rodian friend of Padme's uh, who wears the purple cloak all the time. And she's there when he drinks the poison and dies, and it becomes a whole like murder mystery episode. And uh, she's there while, while they all celebrate a, a small victory within the Senate. So uh, that is also, I think, it, I think it's kind of in, in line with that previous story arc. Uh, this is at the point in the show where the story arcs tend to kind of go from episode to episode rather than just keeping it isolated within one 20-minute episode kind of thing. I thought that was a good call for the show. 
Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I kind of that transition around like season two. Yeah, yeah. The end of season two. Yeah, exactly. Um, a friend in need. Mon and Padme attend a peace negotiations meeting on Mandalore. Uh, very small appearance. I forget if she even spoke at all. I don't think she did. And uh, it was a very short sequence before the episode picks up with Ahsoka and Lux. Um, after Lux kind of has a moment in that peace negotiation thing and she goes off to save him kind of thing. So, yeah, but she was there. Deception. Uh, that's another episode. Mon was present in the funeral for Obi-Wan Kenobi after he fakes his death. Um, this one I thought was really interesting because, you know, I, 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 I was always kind of a bit unsure as to how, like what her relationship is with the Jedi, right? Like it's not quite like Bail Organa and it's not really quite like Padme. She's kind of a... A, a step behind as far as her closeness goes with those guardians. But right. Um, yeah. Did you, yeah. Did, like you, you've seen all the show, like, you know, me kind of like bringing this up, like, do you have any thoughts about, about that um, appearance? This is probably a really technical thing. Uh, part of me wonders for scenes like this, if the creative people are just grabbing random assets and putting them in the background. <laughs> I honestly <laughs> wouldn't like, be surprised. Maybe we're yeah, just overthinking particular reason. Yeah. Like, uh, well, we can't have this person three times, so let's swap it out with this person. Yeah, there's like, yeah. There's like four Mon Mothmas in the background. You know what I mean? Yeah, so. man. Yeah, Filoni just probably comes in there. Hey, Dave, we need we need to stick some assets in the background of this funeral. Who who, who should we have attend Obi-Wan's funeral? Like, uh, you know, uh, get, get mine in there. <laughs> all right dave we'll put her in the back row yeah yeah no move her up a little bit she's not that distant but yeah all right <laughs> she didn't know him that well <laughs> yeah. she's just kind of vaguely aware exactly um what was uh, we want to if we want to think theorize to to why though if that wasn't the reason um it could be that she was just showing her respects to the jedi because i think she Especially when we see her on Padme's side trying to bring an end, a, a peaceful end to the war. I think she would be closer to the Jedi. We're supposed to be more peacekeepers than warriors, right? Yeah. So she's probably showing her respects from that regard would be my thinking. I don't think she would know Obi-Wan personally. Right, yeah. No, I think I think you're right there. Um, that's, that's pretty good speculation. I would, I would agree with that for sure. Um. The next story arc she appears in is the episodes The Jedi Who Knew Too Much and The Wrong Jedi. Uh, Mon Mothma witnesses uh, Barriss Offee's confession to her crimes as she explains she, like uh, many others, had come to realize that the Jedi were responsible for the war and that they'd lost their way. And I thought it was a very interesting appearance that she made, I guess... Uh, I thought that was interesting. You know what I mean? Cause, cause, cause it's, it's a huge debate and, um, a really big story point when Barris kind of makes these statements. And even though she went about, about it wrong, you know, interactions and killed a bunch of people, uh, it is, there is some truth to it. And, that, and that's part of the reason why Ahsoka doesn't think that she can go back. Right. Um, because she kind of sees some truth in what Barris said. And it just makes me wonder like what senators like Mon Mothma kind of take from that because you know, she, she later does come to trust the Jedi. Uh, so I don't, but I don't know if this actually affects her, 
her right you know like 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 what would you kind of take away from that i don't think it would affect her specifically i think she's she's closer to padme in her her like her her thinking than a lot of the other senators but i could see a lot of the other senators seeing having this influence their acceptance that the jedi turned on the chancellor later I don't think she would be one of those senators. Right. Yeah, I I I mean as we know from her story so far, she does she does uh have I mean at least as we know from Star Wars Rebels and and Rogue One, you know, she does have some uh knowledge that the Jedi are definitely fighting for good. Um but yeah, it is it is kind of curious, you know, that she is there to to witness this thing because it is one of those events that would shake someone's faith in, in, in the Jedi, right. You know, to hear Barris kind of going on about all this stuff as to why she did what she did. Um, and I guess Mon being the kind of character who is in favor of, uh, peaceful, peaceful talks rather than let's, you know, point a blaster at them. Uh, it, it does kind of make me wonder whether or not she, agrees you know on some level you know that the jedi may have lost their way and and uh you know perhaps they shouldn't be out there fighting on the front lines you know maybe uh, maybe that there's a whole lot more kind of going on here and you know i think it's a good segue into revenge of the sith and the cut storylines that we're going to talk about but um yeah we'll uh, we'll bring that up in just a moment her last two background roles are in episodes crisis at the heart and the disappeared part one so, Revenge of the Sith rolls around, and it's her first on-screen appearance with Genevieve O'Reilly. Uh, she was there at the Senate District when Anakin and Obi-Wan returned from uh, Dooku's fight and rescuing the Chancellor. And Mon's role is actually cut from the movie. Any speaking role that she had was cut, but they are found in the deleted scenes. And it's worth noting that we actually did a few podcast episodes about the deleted scenes in those movies, right? Uh, I forget, what, did we call them... De- deleted Star Wars or something like that? Or I think it was just Star Wars deleted scenes. Oh gosh. Yeah, I think it was just something simple like that. Yeah. Yeah, so anyone listen anyone um interested in going back and listening to those podcast episodes that we did. Oh, here it is. It's just called Deleted Scenes and then we did one for each trilogy as well as the anthology films. So, uh Yeah, you, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, and we we vote on if we think they should if we think they should have been added to the film or not. So feel free to listen to deleted scenes and then leave a comment on your thoughts on if you agree or disagree or if you think they should be added. Yeah, exactly. Or not added. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so uh, Mon's role is cut from the movie, but um, she was part of the talks for the delegation of 2000, and she was nearly arrested in the senatorial arrests uh, when that happened, which is an event uh, in which after the whole Jedi purge and everything, uh, it's noted elsewhere in the canon that a whole bunch of, it was like 60-something senators were all like arrested and executed um, basically for their, uh, for their treasonous <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's play, let's play a bit of this deleted scene from Revenge of the Sith because this actually has a lot to do with her appearance in Andor. Now that he has control of the Jedi Council, 
the chancellor has appointed governors to oversee all star systems in the republic when did this happen oh that decree was posted this morning do you think he'll dismantle the senate why bother as a practical matter the senate no longer exists the constitution is in shreds amendment after amendment we cannot let a thousand years of democracy disappear without a fight. What are you suggesting? Suggesting? I, I apologize. I don't mean to sound like a separatist. We are not separatists trying to leave the Republic. We are loyalists trying to preserve democracy in the Republic. I can't believe it has come to this. Chancellor Palpatine is one of my oldest advisors. He served as my ambassador when I was queen. Senator. I fear you underestimate the amount of corruption that has taken hold in the Senate. The Chancellor has played the Senate as well. They know where the power lies and they will do whatever it takes to share in it. And we cannot continue debating about this any longer. We have decided to do what we can to stop it. Senator Mon Mothma and I are putting together an organization... Say no more, Senator, I understand. At this point, some things are better left unsaid. Agreed. And so we will not discuss this with anyone without everyone in this group agreeing. That means those closest to you, even family. No one can be told. Agreed. All right, that was uh, that was the first one. And it, how how cool is that? Hey, man, it's after watching andor in her story arc man it makes me wonder if this is still canon, <laughs> this is canon now. <laughs> you know what like this this scene though has no uh i guess it doesn't i don't think it has any scene in revenge of the sith that contradicts the event that's going on here and re- realistically like it has a lot to do with with kind of what happens right and um the del- the delegation two thousand is a group of of concerned senators within the Senate whom many were part of this loyalist committee, um, and you know out of two thousand it was like a handful of them even got executed. But uh, yeah, this this petition was was formally protested uh, against Palpatine's actions. You know, demanding that um, that he return the emergency powers that he's that he claimed. You know, earlier in the war um, at the end of attack of the clones, when he uses his emergency powers to legalize and legitimize the the clone army. Um, And he still has not given that power back. Right. So uh, it it is interesting to see, you know, this, this talks of, of this protest, you know, this, this loyalist group, you know, these people who are like, definitely like, you know, very much in favor of, true democracy you know they want to fight for that but at the same time it's like this isn't gonna fly right you know not in front of palpatine so like what it turns into which is like kind of that early rebellion sort of stage is is fascinating right and what we know from andor is uh she's still kind of in that boat right that small amount Mm -hmm. of people that that are still kind of fighting for what's right i find it the line that really stood out to me was we can't tell anyone, not even our families. And that was like a big part of her story arc here. She yeah. like wouldn't, her family didn't know her husband didn't know. And she, she just kept that super separate. And yeah, I, I, I even now I, other than the absence of Jimmy Schmitz, 
I can't see how this couldn't be canon. Right. Yeah, no, I I, I totally agree. Uh, there's another the scene... Senator... Sorry, I was going to say that's Bail Organa, for those who don't know the actor's name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, the, the actor who played Bail Organa uh, in Kenobi as well now, uh, now that people have seen that. so Which honestly is strange to me that he never showed up. That really bothered me a lot mm-hmm. in the Andor series. I thought that was really weird too, but you know, maybe 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 it'll be a season two thing. I don't know. Hopefully. Um yeah, another another deleted scene which we'll we'll play here. We're not gonna play deleted scenes forever, but uh I thought this was also kind of worth following up with based on that conversation just there. It is an acquired taste. We cannot let this turn into another war. Absolutely, that is the last thing we want. We are hoping to form an alliance in the Senate to stop the Chancellor from further subverting the Constitution. That's all. I know a Jedi I feel we should consult. There would be dangers. We don't know how the Jedi fit into all this. I only wish to discuss this with one. One I trust. Going against the Chancellor without the support of the Jedi is risky. The Jedi are not any happier with the situation than we are. Patience, Senator. We have so many Senators on our side. Surely that will persuade the Chancellor. Will you present the petition of the 2000 to the Chancellor? Things may change. Well then, let us see what we can accomplish in the Senate before we include the Jedi. Yeah, so there there we have a bit of, bit of a follow-up there where, you know, uh, Mon Mothma is involved once again in this conversation about the delegation of 2000. And I thought it was curious that she's the one that says, we don't know how the Jedi fit into all of this. Right. So again, it kind of goes back to that Barriss Offie conversation where it's like, she was there when Barriss kind of gave her spiel about, you know, the Jedi have lost their way. And uh, I thought it was really interesting that she, she's the one kind of point this out. Like, well, we don't know what, how they fit into this. Right. Um, Can we even trust them with this? So, right. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and this final deleted scene here is called Confronting the Chancellor in Palpatine's Office. And uh, this is just kind of the, the capstone, I guess, to that whole deleted scene arc of Mon Mothma in, in Revenge of the Sith. I understand your reservations completely, Senator. And I assure you, the appointment of governors will in no way compete with the duties of the Senate. May I take it then that there will be no further amendments to the Constitution? I want this terrible conflict to end just as much as you do, my lady. And when it does, I guarantee an immediate return to democracy. You are pursuing a diplomatic solution to the war then? You must trust me to do the right things, Senator. That is why I am here. But surely... I've said I'll do what is right. That should be enough for your committee. On behalf of the delegation of 2000, I thank you, Chancellor. I thank you for bringing this to my attention, Senator. Their sincerity is to be admired. Although I sense there is more to their request than they're telling us. What do you mean? They're not to be trusted. And surely Senator Amidala can be trusted? These are unstable times for the Republic, Anakin. 
Some see instability as an opportunity. Senator Amidala is hiding something. I can see it in her eyes. I'm sure you're mistaken. I'm surprised your Jedi insights are not more sensitive to such things. I simply don't sense betrayal in Senator Amidala. But you don't seem to want to admit it. There is much conflict in you, Anakin. Uh, yeah, so she's not actually there. Uh, Mon Mothra, at least I didn't see her in the scene, but it, it was just it was just kind of worth you know playing that little bit just to kind of. No, she was there. She was behind the plant. Oh, was she? Oh, okay. I, I didn't. I didn't see. No, I'm, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but um, yeah, very cool subplot that got caught uh, cut from the movie. I think it all should have kind of been in, but. Uh, yeah, I think so too. It was all pretty cool, and I do find it unfortunate that they basically just hand Palpatine a kill list of 2000 senators that were going yeah, to yeah. rebel against the empire. Yeah. And it, you know, what's funny, what, you know, what, what kind of, what, this is funny and it sucks, but you know, Padme of course is dead, you know, prior to this whole arrest scenario that goes on with, with Bale and, and Mon. And uh, there is, uh, it's supposed to be canon, it came out during the Disney era. It's um, it's called the Rebel Files, and it, it's it's a bit of a a book, kind of like uh, the Book of Sith or the Book of Jedi or whatever. Or, you know, just like those in-universe books that are supposed to disclose information that haven't necessarily been in a story of any kind. And um, the Rebel Files is in the canon, a non-electronic central data repository of sensitive Rebel information documented uh, Mon Mothma's recollections of the arrests. And uh, as she recounted, she and Bail Organa avoided being arrested after professing their imperial loyalty. Uh, Mothma noted that her guilt over having done so motivated her to continue secretly opposing the emperor and building up the rebel alliance. So I thought that was a really good kind of hook for what we have to get into next. And that is Andor, which is 14 to 15 years later. Um, yeah. Uh, so Mon Mothma struggles in this show. You know, we all kind of talked about Andor very recently in, in the past week. So to summarize very briefly, um, she struggles to keep her cool with the growing pressure in the Imperial Senate. And she feels spies are around her all the time, always being watched. Her family still knows nothing about her works within the growing uh, rebellion, you know, her funding it and all that stuff. Her opinions of how to utilize the rebels against the Empire are in some ways seen as in opposition to how her co-conspirator Luthan Rail sees and does things. And uh, I know we've talked about that in our and or after shows a, a lot, but is there anything you kind of want to add to her story, you know, talking about Mon Mothma at this point? Like, just like from what we know so far after what we've been going over, like... I did not realize the time gap was that big. Yeah, yeah, fourteen, that's yeah, a, fourteen to fifteen years. Yeah, so it's it's five that's years. A long time to be secretive about this and not screw up mm. and keep your family out of it and all all these things. I mean, it probably started really small, you know, mm -hmm. friendly face. You wave at the emperor and then you walk around the corner and go and shake your fist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I um. What I really appreciate about her, her you know, her, uh, uh, I mean, Genevieve O'Reilly was, was fantastic in, in that show, but 
what I really appreciated was just how stressful she is like all the time. She's always just like sweating through her skin, you know, through her shirt and um, just always like not happy and always kind of wearing this mask and, you know, always pretending to smile when she's really just, you know, stressing, stressing, stressing. And, you know, and, you know, like we got from that takeaway in the deleted scenes, like her family knows nothing about any of this. And it's only kind mm -hmm. of been building on her shoulders this entire time, like the funding, the money that she's like pumping out to feed the seeds of the rebellion. Because right now the rebellion in Andor is not a unified alliance, right? It's all just these individual rebel cells that are all kind of doing their own thing. And Luthen is one of those key players who's orchestrating a few different movements but he's doing things that don't necessarily have her approval. And that also kind of adds to the stress. So uh, to add on to things, uh, the ISB suspects her of, you know, something nefarious or treasonous. Um, but it turns out her husband's gambling addiction works in her favor. And it throws off the ISB when her driver reports his findings, who also happens to be a spy. And uh, this was really kind of a turning point in the show because, you know, I thought that, oh, they're going to get close and close and closer until, you know, the breaking point where she kind of just has to go and hide in the run. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Something like that. Right. Um, but it turns out that no, her husband, it's kind of bought her some time. Uh, her husband's gambling addiction kind of lines up with the money problems that they're having, which are currently under investigation. And she's faced with the brutal decision to make, in the wake of these financial lockdowns, um, you know, she, she, she has like this crucial decision to make. And she chooses to introduce her daughter, Lita, to the son of a thug by the name of Davos Skulden in favor of his services, which will relieve her of the financial problem that she faces when it comes to funding the rebellion and getting that money out. Um, and that's really just the whole story arc that she has in Andor season one. Uh, we do know that there is a second season to Andor that we haven't seen yet. And it's going to be really cool to see the conclusion to that and the connection that it makes to Star Wars Rebels, which is technically the next thing in the in the uh, chronological uh, timeline of events. But uh, yeah, is there anything you want to add to this Andor appearance that she had? Uh, I'm just I'm still just thinking back to the revenge of what we see Revenge of the Sith, even though it's deleted scenes up to here. Because like if she that whole time period was trying to be this secretive about it. I'm wondering if that's one of the main reasons why she's such a poor relationship with, with her daughter and her husband. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I wonder, I mean, um, we, we do know her husband's prearranged marriage has never really been, um, favored by her, I guess. But I, I do wonder if maybe her and her daughter were closer, I guess, uh, at one point, uh, you know, when things were better, but the, the age that she is though, she must have been a, an infant, if not very, very young when when Revenge of the Sith went down, right? So Right. So she likely has only ever lived under the Empire. Exactly, yeah. So I, I wonder if maybe she doesn't really look at the Empire as a bad thing in the same way that, you know, in the same way that Luke uh, would just casually go off and join the Imperial Academy because that's just the thing to do, right? Um, whereas Mon yeah, Mothma just looks at it as the villain because she's been living this life, you know, beyond the the uh, the days of no democracy. So, um, yeah, very very cool uh, story. In, you know, with her in that show, and I just I just I'm so looking forward to season two. 
you know. Yeah, me too. I'm really curious to see where it's going to go as well. So uh, before we get into Rebels, I got a quick audio clip to play. So let's take a listen to this, courtesy of the Star Wars show on YouTube. Iterations that we found her in, both in Rebels and in Rogue One, were similar. They are of a leader of a rebellion with a tough decision having to often send people on a mission where there is sacrifice required. So it requires a dignity and a strength, which is at the heart, I think, of Mon Mothma. What is different this time is that we meet Mon Mothma in a very different stage of her life. It's quite lonely. There is a cost to her voice. And I think it's interesting to see her having to make choices to step outside of that loneliness and get to Yavin. I remember studying Caroline Blackston's scene in Return of the Jedi, really trying to work on capturing her voice, her syntax, so that fans could see a connectedness between me playing her and Caroline playing her. I always go back to that scene that Caroline did originally because she originated her with George Lucas. It was the early 1980s, I think, that they made that film. And I think it's to be paid attention to that at that time, George Lucas wrote the leader of the Rebel Alliance as a woman. And I think that was as ambitious then than it is now. And so she is a character that I love and she is a character that I wanted to do well all the way back in 2005 as much as I do now. Well said. Thank you, Jen. All right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, very, very nice little clip there from Genevieve O'Reilly. And uh... <laughs> a little tongue in cheek. Uh, part of me wanted to answer. Yeah. I keep going back to that, that scene with that from back on Yavin because it's the only scene she was ever in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you cheat there. But. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, yeah, so nice little interlude there. Um, and as we move on, it's worth noting that she has appearances in the novels Lost Stars and Rebel Rising. And um, it's been so long since you and I have read Lost Stars that I actually can't oh, remember her in the story. Um, do you remember her in the story? I just remember the main plot. I don't think I remember any, anything specific. Yeah. I couldn't even tell you the main character names. <laughs> so Rebel Rising is a is a book which kind of, uh, I guess, chronicles Jin Erso's story from when she's abandoned um, in that thing by her parents uh, to when, you know, Saw Gerrera kind of rescues her up until, I guess, the point where she's rescued by the Rebels and brought before Mon Mothma in, in um, Rogue One. So it's supposed to kind of fill in the gaps in there. Lost Stars, on the other hand, is a novel about some original characters who, um, one of them, they're, they're kind of star-crossed lovers, and one of them, they grow up together, one of them joins the Rebels, one of them joins the Empire. And uh, that was a really good book. You know, if anyone it was wants a to very read. good book, actually. I, yeah. I still would recommend it to anyone who's wants to check out a a... It's a pretty chill novel, just a, a light read that takes place during the early early rebellion empire years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's a good one. I think it's Claudia Gray. So you know, definitely, if, if anyone needs to know, <laughs> um, Rebels. So the next time she shows up is in the animated series Star Wars Rebels, and the first episode in which uh, is worth mentioning her 
big, uh, big, uh, pr- um, premiere kind of performance, you know, her, her opening, opening act within that show is actually in the third season in the 18th episode. Uh, Thrawn is assigned to hunt Mon Mothma after her declaration against the emperor for his crimes against the people of Gorman, uh, claiming it's proof that he's a lying executioner. Uh, so some horrific things happen to the people of Gorman and, you know, she kind of uses that as, I guess that's kind of her breaking point. She's like, you know what? I'm sick of this. I'm done. Um, I'm out. And, uh, she calls him evil that it can't stand. And the crew of the ghost, uh, are her rescuers and they help smuggle Mon Mothma away to a safe haven in space where a secret meeting is being held to essentially unite the rebellion. And she has a moment in the sun where, where she sends out a broadcast um, across the galaxy to, I guess, people involved with, with the, Re- the Rebel Alliance. So I figured we would play that here. Uh, but before we do, I thought it was kind of worth mentioning the time frame between Andor and, I guess, when the second season happens in Andor. I believe the second season overlaps with Star Wars Rebels because Rebels kind of oh. begins four years before uh, Rogue One and uh, Andor is uh, five years before Rogue One. So I assume the second season, because there's a time jump involved of three years or two years or three years or something like that, I think this second season of Andor will kind of segue into that first appearance that she has in Star Wars Rebels where she has to declare against the the empire right so there's a missing piece in there but we're gonna get that story and we're gonna get it soon so let's uh let's play this little audio bit because it's definitely worth playing mon mothma i've been called a traitor for speaking out against a corrupt galactic senate a senate manipulated by the sinister tactics of the emperor for too long i've watched the heavy hand of the empire strangle our liberties stifling our freedoms in the name of ensuring our safety. No longer, despite Imperial threats, despite the Emperor himself, I have no fear as I take new action. For I am not alone. Beginning today, we stand together as allies. I hereby resign from the Senate to fight for you, not from the distant halls of politics, but from the front lines. We will not rest until we bring an end to the Empire, until we restore our Republic. Are you with me? Yeah, so, um, that was, um, I thought that was really cool. Did you, did you like that? Do you like that speech? It was a good speech. I'm, admittedly, I'm sitting here thinking about how we're going to tie Andor into it. Yeah, so I, I mean, so when the episode kicks off, they essentially they're given a briefing, saying that you know this is what essentially has happened. Mon Mothma has made these statements against the Empire, uh, or sorry, against the Emperor, and she needs out. You know, so her people kind of help her, kind of get you know get away from, I guess, initial pursuers. Uh, in the episode, Thrawn is also after her, and um, the crew of the Ghost. You know, Hera, Zeb. Uh, the thing I'm thinking about is like this if this was her official coming out against the Empire mm-hmm. I'm. it's gotta be a big enough thing 
for her to do that after what we've seen happening in Andor. Yeah. As well as... Uh, I lost my train of thought briefly here. But the... I, I, just, I really need to see... I feel like there's a gap is the issue. I feel like there's a gap right now, and I'm curious to see how she's going to get to that point. And... Because something, something massive has happened for her to say, okay, now's the time to run. Yeah. Because it looked like she was going to be forced to do that in Andor, and then she was able to kind of skate away from it by blaming her husband. So I... There's just got to be something, something very large, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to figure. I, I'm questioning if this is big enough. Yeah, it, it is kind of weird that, her, like, her final kind of breaking point is the people of a system have been negatively affected by the emperor, and uh, you know, a bunch of people have been executed. Like, I feel like that just happens every day under. Exactly. The Emperor. So it was just one of those things. It's like, I think it's because it was the animated show. They didn't fully have, you know, Andor even fleshed out yet at that point. It wasn't even a thing. Uh, in fact, I don't think it was even a concept yet. And, uh, you know, it, it was just like, I, I guess I guess what I'm trying to say is like, they hadn't really thought of where they wanted to take that character yet. But they just wanted an in to get her into the rebellion and to get this story moving of like, let's unify the rebellion. Yeah, for sure. So I think we're going to see some ties at the end of season two of Andor because timeline wise, it lines up with season three of star Wars rebels. Um, And because season three is like, you know, season three, episode 18, that's like right before the last season, season four was the last season. And that's like a year or so before rogue one. So, you know, my thought is we will likely get a segue from the end of season two of Andor into her appearance of Star Wars Rebels. Something else is probably going to happen that allows her to also use this as a reason in Star Wars Rebels to kind of just walk away. Uh, But I think it's going to be a lot more. It's going to be a lot more that's going to happen in Star Wars Andor season two. Um, Yeah, I think where I got lost was... For me, she has such an integral part being in the Senate and being attached to the Imperial system because she is funding it right now. We know from Andor. Mm-hmm. So for her to give all that up, she either has to be found out and forced on the run, which I to me made no sense. I thought that's where it was going to go. But her making a stand... Like it, it's it's got to be big. That's giving up a lot, and she if she's been hiding for fifteen years, if I don't think she would lose her cool at something right. do that so easily. Yeah, something so small, you know, compared to the other disasters out there. Exactly, um, and I think that's why this is only part of that story. I think what the 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 segue that we get in Star Wars Rebels for her leaving the Empire, I think, is only part of what we will see in Andor season two. Uh, so Andor season two might hopefully acknowledge the Star Wars Rebels event, but I think we're also going to get a little more to it. You know, I think we're going to get a little more substance as to why it's the breaking point, right? Um, because it, it's almost like Anakin's story, right? It's like when you just watch the movies, it's like, dang, like he transitions really quickly. Uh, 
But if you throw Clone Wars right. in the mix and see like all the other stuff that he has to go through, you know, and all the headaches that he's got with Windu and the Jedi Council and this and that, um, it starts to kind of make sense, right? And uh, especially with the whole Ahsoka arc and, you know, her frame, her being framed, you know, and the Jedi Council believing the false evidence, whatever else. You know, there's a lot of garbage that he has to go through before he finally is like, okay, well, you know, screw this kind of thing. Um, so I think Mon Mothma is kind of being a similar story. I think like what we see in Rebels is just kind of a, through a keyhole, you know, uh, realistically, we're probably going to get a lot more evidence as to why she makes that call, you know, makes that decision to leave. So um, the next episodes that she's in, in Star Wars Rebels is called Zero Hour and In the Name of the Rebellion. And Thrawn's attacks and previous events of the show have demonstrated to Mon that they're not ready for open warfare yet. Uh, her decision to not utilize the military like Saw Gerrera does uh, creates a wedge between the two, and this is when we start to see Saw Gerrera's cell of the Rebellion kind of splinter off. And uh, there's a bit of an audio clip I want to play for that as well. So let's, let's take a listen to this. Should I shut it down? No, I want to speak to him. Madam Senator, I'm on it. What is your business here? You ignored my warning about the Delindi relay and paid the price. Now you have confirmation. So long as our allies in the Senate have hope of a peaceful resolution to this conflict, I will not risk... If you continue to allow this war to be fought on the Empire's terms, not yours, you are going to lose. I will not be lectured on military strategy by a man who has proven himself a criminal. The Empire considers both of us criminals. <laughs> At least I act like one. You target civilians! Kill those who surrender! Break every rule of engagement! If we degrade ourselves to the Empire's level, what will we become? There she is! That's the leader the Rebellion needs! Where is that fire, that passion, when your people need it most? I hope, Senator, after you've lost, and the Empire reigns over the galaxy, unopposed. You will find some comfort in the knowledge that you fought according to the rules. That's enough. What are you afraid of, Senator? The truth? Return to your duties. Your choice. You can go back to Rebel Command and run Mon Mothma's errands. Or you can help me do something that might actually matter. Commander Bridger. All right, yeah. So um, I thought that was also a really cool audio clip just because it really puts her in this, you know, in the spotlight, right? In, in a way that kind of separates her from others in the rebellion that might want to act in a very malicious way. Like, right. Like yeah. Luthan. And that's why, at least in the, I think, is this still canon? I know in the EU, Mon Mothman became the first senator of the the new republic oh the chancellor yeah chancellor sorry yes yes yeah hmm. i thought i i happened to gravitate towards in this clip the uh just saw guerrera mm -hmm. how about we see from him in the Andor series so where we see him now because then it's kind of like you can see there's there was still tensions but uh luthan's in the way he was orchestrating the rebellion was a lot closer to how Saw was doing it. Yeah. 
So I'm not sure where the Luthen went, but you can see the same issues Mon had with Luthen or the issues she has with Saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, fascinating. I, I agree as well, because, you know, as we know, again, from later, you know, the demilitarization act, you know, kind of screws over the Republic. And um, and I think her insistence that they come to a peaceful terms with with the Empire, like it's eventually it happens, but does it work? Right. And and I think that's kind of the key, because the Empire is, you know, by um uh, if you take its creator as as inspiration for their actions, I mean, it's it's a vengeful uh, government, right? So so like they've been planning yeah, for it's... this to happen. The contingency plans are in place. The first order is in the works. You know, like even prior the to thing. the empire's when, fall, right? So when you're you're dealing with these people that are so indoctrinated, and they there's these extremists in the groups that does they were the ones that led to the first order right mm-hmm. so it's hard to be what's the word it's like um, hard to find reason with people like that right yeah but merciful it's hard to be merciful yeah. for people like that because they'll just see it as a free out and then they'll continue what they're doing behind closed doors yeah yeah so like as so, much as i respect her for you know of course saw you know targeting um essentially not caring about uh about innocent people i mean you know that's clearly kind of i don't think it's the way to go about things because that's also kind of the way that barisafi operates as well but um like to to quote what they would what they should do even though it's probably not the most moral thing to do would be to wipe them out yeah all of them. All of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah. Uh, hold on a second. We got we got one particular sound in relation to this. This party's over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Close enough. <laughs> uh, so she also makes appearances in the occupation, kindred, and crawler commandeers, uh, and that's her entire story arc in in star wars rebels she makes a small appearance in leia princess of alderaan which is a really brilliant really brilliantly written book i really enjoyed it a lot and um it's noted that brio Organa, uh much like her mon mothma tries to get bale to recognize that a large-scale military rebellion was the only way to rid the galaxy of Palpatine and the Empire. And I thought it was really like the opposite as to where the story's been going so far. Um, You know, I think maybe at this point in the story, she's kind of realized, hey, I guess she does in fact value large-scale military operations against the Empire as a way to win, but not in the way that Saw Guerrero would operate it. Right. Right. I think part of it also is going to be her story arc. She's going to try peaceful first and then Mm -hmm. probably learn that that's just not going to work when dealing with an entity like the Empire. Yeah. Which is in line with her behavior in the Clone Wars, too, when she was in talks with peace treaties with the with the Separatist Alliance. Right. You know, when her and Padme um, went to Mandalore to take part in that. So, you know, this all kind of lines up very well. Um, but I thought initial initially reading that, I was like, dang, this is this is like 
this doesn't really, you know, operate in the same lines as what she's been doing before. But I guess, you know, I guess what she's really trying to value uh, in her saying to Bale that, you know, military, uh, military large scale is kind of the way to go. It's probably just like on an official warfare term rather than, you know, saw Guerrero's very dirty fighting style, which, you know, also affects civilians and, and innocent lives you know, which end up dying when he does his business. So uh, I guess, you know, there, there is like this fine line though, right. Between what she's prepared to do and kind of how Bale would operate rather than taking a, a rebel like Luthen or Saw Gerrera and, you know, having them. Yeah. I mean, she's more of a diplomat for sure. Yeah. She's more of a diplomat, but she's not afraid to get her hands dirty on the, on, on the front lines as so long as innocent lives are not at risk. Right, which I think is kind of the admirable way to lead this treasonous rebellion <laughs> against the Empire, right? Um, Rogue One. Finally, Rogue One rolls around and Mon introduces Jin or so to Andor. He asks her for help. Uh, sorry, she asks her for help in making contact with Saw Gerrera to aid them in rescuing her father, uh, Galen or so. So the Empire can't use his skills or abilities uh, to construct their super weapon, which is also known as the Death Star. Uh, later in the movie, despite the Council's, the Rebel Council's disapproval of an attack on Scarif, she knows that war is inevitable. So she asks Bale about his Jedi friend, who, who Bale replies that he will send for him, and he decides to send Leia before returning to Alderaan to make uh, preparations for a no peace situation and essentially to warn his people. So um, what we got from her in Rogue One was very small, but did you have any thoughts you want to, you know, present, I guess, for, for that movie? Uh, I just really liked that. That was, that was the first time we saw Genevieve O'Reilly officially in her role because all of her scenes got cut. Mm-hmm. So I know that, that was like a, that was a big talking point at the time. Yeah. And that was, it was pretty cool to see that they had kept the same actress. Yeah. And I think she's done a great job so far. I know I've heard, I mean, this is always a common problem with recasting people 20 years later. She doesn't look exactly like Mon Mothma. You could buy it a bit more when there was that 20 year gap. But now that she's so close, like it's a pretty distinct um, uh, difference between the two actresses. But yeah, yeah. as far as the, I think the mentality of what the character uh, was, uh, like who who she is as a person, I think that she's done a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's worth noting that Mon Mothma does have multiple appearances in the Star Wars Marvel comic series, as well as uh, the Doctor Aphra comics and some offshoots here and there that that gargantuan lineup has made um initial surface scan impressions that i got from uh, a few of those stories is it wasn't super worth noting on this breakdown of the character but if there was any star wars fans out there listening to us right now that would disagree and want to retroactively have anything mentioned uh and uh you know please let us know I would say leave us a voicemail, but for now, because of the <laughs> because of the lack of use, shoot us an email or uh, or Twitter, uh, you know, at SWScape Podcast. You can also find our email in the description below at SWScapePodcast at gmail.com. 
And with that, let's move on to the next thing. Um, Moving Target, which is a, a, a junior novel uh, written uh, about Leia in the uh, brief weeks before the events of Return of the Jedi take place. Mon Mothma approves Operation Yellow Moon, which is named after a yellow-colored moon of the gas giant Galen, or Galleon. Um, the mission would see the placement of a hypertransceiver in the Corvus sector in an attempt to distract the Galactic Empire from the Alliance fleet gathering over Sullust in order to launch its assault on the second Death Star at Endor. Obviously, uh, the results of this Operation Yellow Moon uh, clearly fail, um, sort of, because we know that Palpatine is aware of the growing rebel fleet over Sullust. Uh, but it is worth noting that Mon Mothma is behind some initial countermeasures in place. Return of the Jedi. Um, Mon briefs the rebellion for the Endor assault. She's been struck by the loss of many Bothans who died to obtain the intel that they have. And it's a very brief scene, but uh, this is the scene that Genevieve O'Reilly constantly goes back to reference when she's playing the character. Did you have anything to mention about this? Just that I think this is the root of the character. As she said, this is when George Lucas developed the character with the original actress. So everything really comes down to who she is into this specific scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, you can really see kind of the 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 weight that she's been carrying this entire time. I mean, she's kind of a behind-the-scenes player. Um, and amongst the films, for first-time viewers of Star Wars, I mean, you know, if you're watching them in, in release order, that is, this is really her first appearance and you don't hear about her at all, like prior to, um, prior to this event. Right. And, and yet this is this staple head honcho figure of the rebellion, uh, at the table here. You know, it's like, where was she on, uh, <laughs> in episode four? Um, but I mean, it, it is kind of interesting that, that she shows up and, and, and she's like, you know, torn up about the fact that like many Boppins like died, you know, to give us this information. I was like, all right, cool. Um, you know, who the heck are you? (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I feel like, I feel like it's just, it, 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 you're right though. It's like, it's like the first time that people were introduced to this character and, and a very, um, I guess notable appearance that she, you know, first time on screen, you know, release order wise. And, and she is this worn out, stressed out, leader of the rebellion who who's undergone a lot you know since since the days of the rebellion began so um really great you know to see kind of where that's where that story's been taking her you know ever since the prequels all the way up until that point um you know it's been it's been really nice to to kind of see the the um i guess the the hero's journey that she's been on yeah for sure uh, there's a novel that came out in August 16th as of this year in 2022. It's called The Princess and the Scoundrel. And uh, it's about the the wedding of Han and Leia and uh, an adventure that they go on. They go on a honeymoon and, of course, things go things go sideways on, on the honeymoon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's something, something, go, something goes wrong. They end up on another adventure. Um, but I, uh, she is supposed to be in the book. I assume I have not read it, uh, but I assume it's probably at, in attendance at Leia and Han's wedding. 
if I'm not mistaken. Um, but again, she'd have that's to be just, there. It makes it just makes sense. Yeah, I, yeah, and I haven't read the book. I'm just speculating. That's probably the appearance that she has in the novel. Um, it's it's listed under her appearances in the Wikipedia profile page, um, but that's all I could find. So, you know, just throwing it in there. Um, the aftermath trilogy. What do you remember about the aftermath trilogy? That was a long time ago too. Um, with Mon Mothma. Uh, that would be, as I was talking about earlier, this would be the, this I think would be her arc of her becoming the first chancellor. Yeah. Yeah. This was, uh, this was a story in which really saw the fall of the empire. Uh, because when Return of the Final Jedi moments of the Empire, yeah, yeah, because Return of the Jedi saw the the destruction of the Death Star, the end of the Emperor and Darth Vader, but you know, there's all these, as mentioned earlier in the deleted scenes of Revenge of the Sith, as well as in A New Hope and stuff. There's there's governors, mil, you know, military governors, kind of all across the galaxy, leading um, uh, battalions of stormtroopers and you know directing star destroyers and all this stuff so the empire is still very much a thing and um i took one bullet point from each book in the aftermath trilogy so the first one's called aftermath the second one's called aftermath life debt and the third book in the trilogy is called aftermath empire's end so the first book i took this single bullet point after seeing how one small battle could change forever the lives of the people on this planet Mon Mothma realized that war must not be a constant state of existence and decides to go ahead with the vote to demilitarize. And I think that was the most important takeaway of her character from this entire story was her, um, I guess, her push to demilitarize the New Republic as soon as she gets the chance to. And yeah. this so is a Unfortunately, thing. that means yeah. that Mon is probably the biggest culprit to why we ended up with the first order. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, in the second book, Leia and Chancellor, uh, at this point she is now Chancellor Mon Mothma of the New Republic. Uh, they have a secret meeting with Grand Vizier Masamita, who is that blue horned guy that's always standing next to Palpatine all the time in the prequels. Uh, they also, he's also, he's got the role of uh, the speaker in, in the house. Um, and, uh, with Coruscant facing a civil war, Masamita offers to surrender himself to the New Republic. However, Leia and Mon Mothma reject his offer and instead order him to find a way to secure the Empire's surrender. Um, and that was a subplot. That was a subplot of the second aftermath book. In the third and final story of the aftermath book, uh, this big battle happens, which happens to be the Battle of Jakku. This is where the Empire finally meets its destruction for the most part. And uh, it happens to be in this giant battle above Jakku and on the ground uh, with the New Republic. Um, that's why we're, you know, there's tons of Star Destroyers kind of crash down on the planet when Force Awakens opens up. Uh, and it was also part of the contingency plan that Palpatine had to wipe out pretty much the entire galaxy of factions, right? He planned to wipe out the Empire and... Uh, the New Republic slash Rebellion if his death ever were to happen and it ended up failing. But the battle happened anyways. And uh, it's worth noting that Masamita and Moth Mon Mothma sign the Galactic Concordance of 
Chandrilla, uh, which is her homeworld, bringing a formal end to the Galactic Civil War. Uh, the Galactic Concordance is a peace treaty. The Empire is formally dissolved, and Imperial officers are designated war criminals. Non-combatant uh, functionaries like Masamita are given conditional pardons. Uh, still, some isolated Imperial remnants continue resisting the New Republic. And this is what takes us to shows like The Mandalorian, which take place five years later, and the Battle of Jakku slash um, events within that time frame are referenced. Um, and that's also why we see some Imperial you know, life still on some planets, right? Like there's these little splinter cells of the Empire that are essentially like rebels but imperial rebels against the New Republic in a way, trying to fight for the Empire in a galaxy in which the New Republic has taken over. Um, so yeah, that being said, is there anything you want to mention before we kind of bring us to a close with the final two things? I hope that we start to see Chancellor Mon Mothma at some point in theatrical. Yeah, I, I do like, too. Or like Disney Plus. Because there's there's going to be a massive gap between where we leave off uh, Return of the Jedi and uh, you could argue the Aftermath trilogy, um, though that's not, that's not really theatrical. But I would like to see, once she becomes a Chancellor, I want to see like those moments of her life. Because mm-hmm. I think that that's something that's going to be quite missing. And we have the opportunity to do that with Mandalorian and stuff. So I really want... That's got to happen at some point. I don't know if they need to just add some Palpatine-esque makeup on her to age her a little bit, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Digital aging. It's, yeah. It's like, what, another 10, 15 years from where we are now in the Andor era? Is that right? Uh, yeah, so Andor... Yeah, Andor is five years or so prior to... At least season one is pro- five years prior to A New Hope. Um, and, and the new, the, new uh, the original trilogy spans a total of five years in itself, I believe. And that's 10 years total. And then that brings us to the Battle of Jakku, which happens one year after Return of the Jedi. That's 11 years. And then between that and our next event, which is a novel called Bloodline, there's a good solid 14 years, I believe that she is chancellor of the new Republic. So that's a good amount of time. Like whenever we see, um, book of Boba Fett, Mandalorian season one and two, uh, the new Ahsoka show or skeleton crew next year, uh, that is all in line with this era in which she is the chancellor of the new Republic. Right. So if she could technically show up at any point in those shows and it would be yeah, exactly. totally and- normal. Yeah. Man, that would be really out of place if if Dave didn't do that. I think it has to happen. It would be cool, and I think now that she's had this this spotlight, you know, role in Andor, I think it would be awesome. It would be an awesome cameo for sure. Uh, so sometime later, this is in a novel called Bloodline, and it takes place six years prior to The Force Awakens. So we're now fourteen years or so um, down the road, or um, maybe even more. Uh, more, I forget the exact number. My math is terrible. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's six years prior to the force awakens. So she's been the chancellor of the new Republic for quite some time now. Uh, she becomes ill and has stepped down as chancellor in the past few years, I guess. And, um, 
her successors have lacked uh, the charisma that she had and failed to create at the same political consensus as, uh, as she did. Um, in her absence, the New Republic fell into chaos and the Galactic Senate became divided into two factions. The populists, who believed that the individual member planets should retain their full sovereignty, and the centrists, who favored a stronger galactic government and a larger military. Uh, Mothma showed her personal support for Leia after it was publicly revealed that she was the daughter of Darth Vader, and her message to Leia indicated that she had suspected the truth for some time before the announcement. So that's her two cents in the Bloodline book. Um, explains a little bit of the New Republic's political downfall that lead into The Force Awakens. In, in, you know, in my opinion, it could have gone a little further, but uh, this book came out before The Force Awakens came out and it tried its best to avoid any possible d- direct connection to the movie whatsoever, <laughs> so, which I don't think was a good idea. But here we are. Um, yeah, did you? I forget, did you read this one? No, I never did. I never did read this one. It was one that you recommended to me multiple times, mm-hmm. uh, but I never actually read it. It's I bit... think I might even own it. I just haven't opened it up. Gotcha. Yeah, it's a bit like Shadows of the Sith in the sense where it kind of fills in some gaps, but in my opinion, they've been doing better in the recent books with filling in gaps rather than how this one approached that whole idea. Uh, but it was something and, you know, she does have a little bit to do in this book. So at this point Mm. she's stepped down as chancellor, you know, and, uh, uh, she's, it's worth noting that she became ill. So let me get this right. So we, we start off with a book where she becomes the first chancellor and then the next book we have with her in it, she has just stepped down. Pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) So there, there's an entire gap in there. Yeah. There's an entire (laughs) gap in there in which like she's chancellor and nothing happens. (laughs) Yeah. It's pretty funny. Oh man. It was just, it was so blissful. Nothing. There's nothing worth talking about. Exactly. Um, we, we end things with the legacy of this character. So in some ways, Mon Mothma's actions contribute to the new Republic's eventual undoing. Uh, Her drive for ensuring peace and demilitarization eventually left the New Republic in a weakened, exposed, unprepared state that lacked the strength to combat the rise of the First Order. The New Republic she quickly uh, built fractured without her strong presence, after she was uh, ailed, that is, and in no small part was caused by the influence of the First uh, First Order's growing strength. Uh, that was not revealed for decades. So, you know, in line with all of the characters that we know from the original trilogy, uh, Disney, classic Disney fashion, a great way to end off a story arc is to just have them fail miserably at life and then, you know, <laughs> cap it off there. Um, no uh, no butthurt feelings there, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, much like how they did with Luke, uh, how they did with, uh, who, who, else, who else should we do? Solo. We don't Solo. need to get into yeah, it. We don't, we don't need to get characters. into it. Yeah, yeah, we, we've been down that rabbit no hole one's, before. No one's allowed to ride off into the sunset. At, not, when, <laughs> not when Disney's in charge. Exactly, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we laugh, but yeah, it saddens us. Um, anyways, so... So yeah, that's uh, that's the state of this character, and that, that's kind of her legacy on the galaxy is uh, is her her hopes for a peaceful galaxy eventually left it exposed, and um, 
I guess that's the takeaway. But um, what do we, yeah, what do we think about this character? I mean, like, it's such an, uh, such a roller coaster, hey? Like, you yeah, know. roller coaster is a great way to put it. It does feel like she, she really was there for the rise and fall of the empire itself. Like, yeah, she was through Clone Wars. So, like, this is one of those characters that she. <laughs> She shows up so infrequently or just in the background. You don't really think about it, but she was, she was at and involved in some of the biggest and transitional like story points of the Star Wars galaxy. It's also worth noting that she's all the, of them the, actually. Yeah. She's high Republic as well. The only thing she's now that we're getting into new Republic, that's going to be like the first era that she is not been there and witnessed it. It's worth, it's worth noting though, that she is the only surviving founding member of the rebel Alliance. Like Bale, Bale never sees the success of the rebellion. He dies on, on Alderaan. Right. And then right. Leia isn't born prior to the end of the, you know, she's born at the end of the clone wars, which, which she never saw a, a, what the galaxy was like before the empire. Right. And then, um, Saw Gerrera dies in Rogue One, and Luthen Rail he doesn't show up at all in in the later films. So we you know we can only assume his fate in season two of Andor. Uh, but I mean, she is really the only the only member of the Rebel Alliance, at least as far as we know, that has been there since the beginning. You know, during Palpatine's reign as Chancellor, all the way up until uh until the the new republic basically uh, collapses in on itself when the first order comes charging in and um it is a question of whether or not her story is finished obviously we do have season two of andor to get to get into when that comes out oh i thought you meant because she was on the planet maybe she wasn't on the planet when it got blown up well and here's the other thing right like (laughs) like I, i i don't think she was because she stepped down as chancellor she wasn't on um that uh, what was it called? Uh, something Prime, you know, the planet yeah. that the First Order builds. Yeah, that's not her home world of Chandrilla. No. Um, so I assume that Hexian when she Prime uh, or something. Yeah, something like that. Hosnian Prime. Hosnian Prime. Hosnian yeah. Prime. That's yeah. So one. so when she steps down as Chancellor, like she's probably gone home. You know, like probably gone home to Ch- Chandrilla, and uh, maybe if she's ill, you know, maybe she died. You know, before the sequel trilogy, we don't really know. <laughs> uh, you mean unfortunate. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, you know in that scene where they they blow up, that uh, or like I'm gonna Hexian Prime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hosnia Prime. Yeah, Hosnia Prime. Thank you. And, she witnesses that and, on the TV and then just dies. <laughs> yeah, and it'll be no. I'm saying like because like in that scene, it's not the only planet. They blow up like five planets, right? Oh yeah. And she was just on one of the other planets, just like out for tea or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it just like wasn't any, even anything to do with politics right oh man wouldn't that be like yeah that wouldn't that's that shame yeah <laughs> um but yeah i mean like yeah roller coaster is how i would put it too i mean uh it was such a, a great character uh a bit of a tragic kind of legacy that she leaves behind um you know the galaxy in a very vulnerable state uh when she steps down as chancellor but i mean you know i guess i guess not every character has a happy ending Right. And, and like, that's just, 
it's just kind of fact, right? And like, you know, we make our jokes and stuff like that. But, uh, but it, you know, it's, it's, it's rooted in reality. Like not every character, n- not everybody has a happy ending. And, and it's like, you know, not every galaxy character. Galaxy at war. Yeah, it's a galaxy. Exactly. Yeah, it's a galaxy at war all the time. I mean, you know, there's lessons to be learned and, and uh, not every character is written to be a perfect person. So um, it is kind of kind of nice to see some flaws, right? Like, even though she is kind of doing things in, in, uh, this positive kind of, uh, dem- democracy inspired kind of way, uh, she also has some, uh, has some flaws in, in her, in her strategy, you know? So, uh, yeah. <laughs> she is only human. Yeah, she is only human. So I guess, uh, but I do look forward to seeing Genevieve O'Reilly back in Andor season two, um, I look forward to any story that they can come up with uh, pr- between episode six and seven that maybe she might yeah. appear in. Yeah, for sure. I think that's going to be super cool. Yeah. I hope, I hope they got, they got to do something. They just have to. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, uh, you know, why the heck not? Right. Um, any last minute things you want to say to our listeners before we wrap up here? I mean, I think you just kind of nailed it there. Um <laughs> I want to see what happens to her husband. I'm actually really curious to that part. Yeah, because we never see her husband or her daughter later, or, and they're not really mentioned either. So, No. Uh, as far as we've been led to believe thus far, they're very pro-Empire, or yeah. they just don't care enough to have an opinion to not be with the Empire. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah. Do we need to mention any... Uh, the uh, the event the event people need to put their name in the hat yeah well i mean let's raffle yeah. no it's yeah, not a raffle you, you whatever wanna, it is uh, yeah the giveaway <laughs> that's the name yeah you want to quickly mention it again uh sure so we're doing a giveaway to all of our listeners uh, as a thank you for everybody who's been tuning in the show so uh feel free to uh, sign up there's a there's a link that'll be under this podcast that you're listening to right now and that'll have uh, some some different options for you to sign up and there's there's ways to get multiple uh, tickets into the draw and we'll be drawing to see who's going to win our Orbi key uh, key organizer that is all Star Wars out so check it out get in there and you're going to have to tell us which one you want so don't forget to email us that part too yeah 14 days left throw your name in the hat and if you're a winner when we do the draw we will be reaching out to you so Thank you, Blake. Thank you to our co-host here. Um, We will catch you in the next one. We'll see you out there. Keep flying. All right, and a big thank you to our listeners of the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in each week. It means means a lot. And, uh, you know, to to really chat Star Wars on a weekly basis is uh, kind of a hobby. It's a, it's a, it's a, really just a dream of ours to do this and um you know we love doing it so be sure to share this show with a friend that really helps us out give us a five-star rating if you're on spotify or apple Podcasts. that really helps the algorithms a lot and you can find our social platforms with swell twitter instagram and youtube with the handle at swscape podcast links are in the description below email us at swscape podcast at gmail.com Send us a voicemail uh, in the form of a uh, swell or a voice recording to the email. Join the giveaway and join us on Discord. May the Force be with you, and we'll see you in the next episode of Star Wars Escape Pod.